Chapter six of Making Fate by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter six Homecomings. When her foot touched the lower step, Marjorie heard the click of the lock, and in another moment her mother's arms were around her, and Oh, mother! and Oh, my daughter! came simultaneously from their lips. You see, said Mr. Maxwell, I have kept my word and brought her back to you in safety. His voice recalled them to the knowledge of his presence, and Mrs. Edmonds broke off in the midst of the questions she was eagerly asking, to give attention to her benefactor. Was Mr. Maxwell still planning to take that long ride across the country? No, he had decided to wait until another day. There were reasons why it would be pleasanter to make a very early start, he was anxious to get a view of the sunrise at a certain famous point, and the sun would be in too much haste for him this morning. Then there was no reason why he should not take a very early breakfast with them as soon as he had cared for his horse. Mrs. Edmonds, having finished with Gideon, had further employed herself in resurrecting the kitchen fire and rearranging her culinary arrangements, making a breakfast instead of a supper, and laying the table for three instead of the usual two. Surely Mr. Maxwell would be persuaded to join them. It would be several hours yet before his regular breakfast time, and he must be quite faint with his long walk. He was not in the least faint, he assured her, and was used to long walks at almost any hour of the day or night. But the table set in the back parlor made a very inviting picture, and the odor of something savory was already in the air. There was no reason why he should not enjoy an unusual breakfast at this unusual hour, and he promptly accepted the invitation, then went to explain matters to Selim, leaving mother and daughter to themselves. "'Oh, mother!' said Marjorie, with her arms about her mother's neck again as soon as the door closed after Mr. Maxwell, I have had such a time. You cannot think how hard I tried to get here at a reasonable hour and in a reasonable way. I was so troubled about you and so indignant. I never imagined that people, with a perceptible pause before she decided upon the noun to use, could be so silly and disagreeable. I can't think what was the matter with them, said Mrs. Edmonds. They will be frightened, dear, will they not, when they find that you are gone? I hope so, was the savage answer. They deserve to be frightened after doing such an utterly absurd thing as to stay there all night. Then, apparently summoning her resolution, she added, Mother, Ralph was hateful beyond anything I could have believed possible. At which information Mrs. Edmonds preserved a discreet silence. Within a very short time thereafter, three people were seated at the coziest breakfast table which could have been found, at least at that hour of the morning. It was when Mr. Maxwell was taking his second cup of coffee, and remarking that there were possibilities evidently in coffee, of which people who boarded did not dream, that there came a sharp peal of the doorbell which caused mother and daughter to give little nervous starts and look at each other. It is an early hour for a call, said Mr. Maxwell, noticing the glances and rising as he spoke. 
i think you would better let me answer that bell a moment afterwards from the wide open door ralph bramlett had a view which photographed itself upon his memory a cosy dining-room whose breakfast-table he had often pictured to himself and wondered how it would seem to be enough at home there to be a breakfast-table guest mother and daughter seated thereat and opposite the daughter a place which had evidently just been vacated and mr maxwell napkin in hand standing at his ease before him saying in quiet matter-of-course tones oh yes miss edmonds is at home and quite safe nothing serious happened to her i believe though naturally the necessity for taking a walk alone at that time of night was not agreeable to a lady will you walk in mr bramlett and see the ladies no said ralph curtly there seems to be no occasion for my presence the poor fellow noted as he spoke that marjorie did not even turn her head at the sound of his voice it made his next sentence more savage she has given us a precious scare but since she is all right of course that is of no consequence and then ralph bramlett turned and strode out into the gray dawn and climbed into his lonesome wagon more thoroughly out of sorts with himself and with marjorie and above all with mr maxwell than can be described in excuse for him let it be remembered that he had had a trying night and a very nerve-disturbing ride as he rattled at reckless speed over the road visions of all the uncanny things he had ever heard about the night and the darkness seemed to come hurrying before him what if marjorie had fallen in with a company of drunken revellers on their way home from the races what if she had fallen and hurt herself and lay unconscious under some of these gloomy trees still this latter fancy did not disturb him long he was entirely familiar with the road and rapidly as he was driving no clump of trees or hiding-place of any sort escaped him marjorie was not in visible shape anywhere along his way of this he was certain but what then had become of her it did not seem to him possible that she could have managed all the distance alone and in the darkness and have actually reached home so as he neared the town and still saw no trace of the missing one his nerves became almost as much out of order as marjorie's own therefore to find her seated comfortably at a cosy breakfast-table was both a relief and a shock to him never was gloomier ride taken than he took that morning back to the schuyler farm in the first place he had an absolute horror of going back to meet those chattering girls and silly boys he considered the feasibility of driving home and sending ben their man of all work in his place but the explanations which would necessarily result not only to his father and mother but to hannah and also the merciless fire of ridicule which he would have to receive eventually from the tongue of estelle douglas held him from this course he might as well go back at once and meet the idiots and have it over with he muttered to himself and as he drove wearily over the road he added that it would be many a day before he would lend himself to an escapade of theirs again have some pity for ralph bramlett for he was in sore need of it only too vividly did he realize his mistake of the night before 
who would have imagined that marjorie was so anxious to get home he had supposed that she would fret about it for a few minutes like other girls but that when she found that her way was hedged and she in no wise to blame would cast it aside and have a merry evening with the rest and how he had looked forward to that morning ride with marjorie sitting beside him watching the sunrise now the first streaks of red were gilding the eastern sky but he did not so much as turn his head to give the monarch of the day a glance what did he care for sunrises he had seen too many of them alone this sunrise was to have been gilded with marjorie's presence and he had deliberately put her from him this was his mood for a few minutes at a time at others he blamed her severely one moment he sternly assured himself that she would have to apologize for this night's work if she wished to retain his friendship the next he felt a cold shiver creeping over him at the thought that possibly she was really and permanently offended what if she should break with him but that was folly it could not be that she cared so little for him if she should he told himself bitterly i should know the reason it will be because that meddling stranger to whom they rented rooms has been paying her attention and turned her head what do they know about him what right has he at their table at this hour of the morning and to come mincing out to me to tell me that she was entirely safe and comfortable what business was it of his what right have they to let an entire stranger into their family circle in this way i have known marjorie edmonds ever since she was a baby and i have never been at their breakfast table on the whole the ride back was fully as uncomfortable though in a different way as the hurried rush to town had been very little satisfaction did the eager group which was seated at the schuyler breakfast table when he returned get from him beyond the bare fact that marjorie was at home and quite safe they could get no information cross-question as they would in point of fact ralph bramlett had no information to give his own indignation had prevented him from hearing particulars he is a perfect savage said estelle douglas gathering her wraps in great indignation as the girls informed her that ralph said whoever was not ready to go in five minutes would be left behind he is a perfect savage this morning i never knew before that he could be so ungentlemanly i believe he and marjorie have had a quarrel nothing else will account for such a bearish state of mind i don't see why he should want to visit her sins on us we are not to blame in point of fact none of the excursionists enjoyed the homeward ride as they had planned the night before that they would do the glamour of night and moonlight were gone it was prosaic daylight and for some of them the day's cares were waiting and would be heavier because of this late beginning the douglas girls now that the excitement was over had an uncomfortable feeling that they had deprived their father of a good night's rest and each confessed secretly that it was a shame to take their pleasure at the expense of an invalid's sleep of course it was ridiculous for father to be so nervous over them they had said so dozens of times 
and had done what they could to educate him to a knowledge of the uncertainty of their comings still the fact of his nervousness remained and they knew it to add to estelle douglas's discomfort there was an unpleasant consciousness on her part that she was to blame for the night's detention and the embarrassments which had resulted it was of no use to her to assure herself that ralph need not have stayed if he had not chosen no matter what she said no one was more conscious than she of the power that ridicule had over ralph or was more eager to show her influence over him there was a source of disappointment also known only to herself in the depths of her heart had been an intention to soothe and comfort ralph this morning to speak just the words which she felt he needed in order to reinstate him in his good opinion of himself and in short to show herself so marked a contrast to marjorie that he could not fail to note the difference between them during her period of waiting she had even planned some of the words she would say to him and presuming upon his probable replies had carried on quite an extended conversation with such satisfactory results that by the time they in imagination reached home she and ralph had become better friends than ever before even confidential friends of course this plan involved her occupying the seat which marjorie's flight had left vacant but the facts in the case were that she had a seat as far away from ralph as could well be managed she was the last one to come downstairs as indeed she always was and ralph had without ceremony and with much speed seated his company before she appeared dumping that dull little bell finley into the vacant seat beside himself as bell finley was entirely satisfied to ride for miles if necessary without speaking and looked upon ralph much as she did upon her brother that young man was able to continue his gloomy thoughts during much of the homeward journey not one of the party felt merry the reaction from late hours and undue excitement was upon them to add to their discomfort the sun which although unnoticed had risen in glory soon retired behind dull gray clouds and before they were halfway to town a dreary rain began to fall not a majestic shower with splendid spectacular accompaniments compelling their attention as on the night before but a slow fine november drizzle chilling them to the bone i never was so glad to get home in my life was estelle douglas's exclamation as she shook the raindrops from her and shivered wasn't it a horrid drive i believe ralph came as slow as he could so as to add to our discomfort as much as possible hasn't he behaved like a south sea islander or some other uncivilized being ever since marjorie disappeared disappeared said mrs douglas catching the last word as she came to the assistance of her daughters what has happened to marjorie why child you are wet to the skin you must have held the umbrella so that it dripped right down your back instead of protecting you and i am afraid your dress is spoiled the lining from your sack has discolored it what a pity that you wore that dress fanny your sack is streaked too dear me what a condition to get home in why didn't you come last night we couldn't 
said estelle briefly after a moment during which she was engaged in discovering how severely the skirt she had borrowed without leave was mud-stained she added didn't you see and hear it rain last night of course you didn't expect us after that i never saw it rain harder why we did not so early of course but by ten o'clock the rain was over your father lay awake watching for every sound his head is very bad this morning and he had a poor turn with his heart just about daylight that's no wonder though after such a night it was after midnight when your then fanny interrupted her mother do help me get off this horrid sack it is so wet it sticks to my dress as though it were glued is father worse did you say i don't see why he has to lie awake and fret about us we shall get so by and by we will have to play marjorie edmonds role when we are out in the evening what did you say happened to marjorie no accident i hope nothing happened to her except to act like an idiot and create a sensation which will last i don't know how long in its effects she was determined to get home it seems although ralph was afraid of another thunderstorm and did not like to take the horses out so she came home on foot in the middle of the night on foot said mrs douglas in amazement and dismay why the poor child not alone dear me what a state she must have been in i don't think much of the gentleman you had with you to let her do it why they didn't know about it explained fanny we none of us knew anything about it we didn't think of such a thing she attempted to make the facts plain to the mother but estelle who was hunting through drawers and boxes for certain articles of clothing interrupted do fanny let us have a rest from that subject for a little while i am tired of it aren't you mother can you imagine where my brown skirt is where is glide i wonder if she has had it glide said mrs douglas brought suddenly face to face with her tremendous news why she has gone to new york and now the feelings of estelle douglas must be imagined they cannot be described End of chapter 6